is a broke billionaire's thing. We don't have no money, but we have ideas, man. Welcome back to another episode of Broke Billionaires, guys. Um, this one is a solo episode. Christian was busy this week. Um, so I'm doing a tell your story with a friend of mine who lives in Ethiopia. His name is Yadidia. Um, and I'm just going to let him introduce himself, give out whatever socials he wants to give out. You know, we've had other episodes where people want to go into the dark, go ghost. If that's your thing, that's your thing. If it's not, it's not. So without further ado, uh, I'm going to introduce you, Didia. So Didia, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, we'll get into some of the questions and why we wanted to do this, tell your story. Um, but uh, yeah, go ahead, uh, fill us in. Sure. Um, my name is Yadidia. Uh, my social is Y Original K. If you're interested, I don't post much, but uh, that's one way of contacting me. Mm-hmm. Um, you do have dope pictures, though. I I checked out your Instagram. You do have nice pictures on there. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> uh, I went to school with Cal. Um, I'm in Ethiopia now, visiting family. I've been here about over a year. Um, so um, I think as this uh, conversation continues, you'll figure out more about me. Um, mm-hmm. Essentially, I studied finance, but I dropped out. And um, now I'm thinking of uh, doing other things with mental health mainly. Okay, mental health related things. Perfect. Um, but yeah, that's a little bit about Yadidia. So <clears throat> I think this is a good episode just for anyone that's maybe had, you know, similar life story to you, Didier, not essentially ending up in um, Ethiopia or whatever, but um, just leaving college, what that was like. Um, and then we'll just get a little bit of insight into what the journey's been like. What have you learned? How have you grown as a person? Does everybody even necessarily need college? Um, and just going into, you know, some of the things that, uh, we could just learn from. I think it's just cool just to hear a little bit. And it's been a while since I talked to Yadidia. So Yadidia was a homeboy. We went to <clears throat> we went to school together. And, uh, you guys know we went to a board. I went to a boarding school. So Yadidia went to that school with me. And after he actually uh, graduated, and I had graduated before, I'm a little bit older. Um, he had come to QU. So then after his first year at QU, um, I remember we had like a dinner, and then like Yadidia was gone. I was like. Yadidia is gone. Like, what the heck? Like, what the heck happened? Like, I, I must have missed the whole story. Uh, but that kind of just leads us into our first question. So uh, when you started at QU, what did you kind of wanted to do? You said you wanted to do finance. What what brought you into finance? Or uh, did that end up to you, you know, end up leaving? Or just give us a little bit about that. Uh, yeah, I decided to major in finance going into QU. Um, I wasn't exactly like certain about uh, what I wanted to do with that degree, uh, but I generally knew um, if you want to make money, be successful, uh, at least economically speaking, um, knowing about money would be uh, helpful. So I decided to study finance. And I um, also had other interests like, um, like trading with algorithms and there was a bit of computer science influence as well and i was thinking about minoring in that um but my main motivation was to make money (laughs) to make money okay and so that's why you kind of had like chose finance Mm -hmm. so uh as you were pursuing your major obviously finance did anything what what like did you encounter over that year because you're only there a year before i came to the dinner the next dinner one of our dinners after we got back from somewhere you weren't there but like um after that dinner, or not that dinner, but that year, did you encounter something that made you want to pursue, like, leaving college? Or, you know, just give us a little bit of insight into that. Um, I think, you know, for some people, it might be more of a serious decision to study finance uh, because poverty is a like a real felt experience that someone has. So, um, but for me, it wasn't really um, a felt experience that I felt motivated 
uh, to pursue. And so there was a lack of uh, personal connection to like the want of money or the need of money and just the general sense of uh, disconnect from you know, people in my life. I grew up separate from my family and people that I met in college, they had a completely different culture. And um, I had a bit of a, a difficult time connecting with people. So um, I didn't have like a clear motivation to uh, pursue whatever like I wanted um, like to orient myself. So uh, those things generally uh, pushed me away to be more uh, critical and uh, self-reflective about um, what I want to do in my life. And uh, that naturally led to uh, thinking about uh, like philosophy and uh, spirituality. And um, I didn't find that to be a topic that people enjoyed talking about. Um, and everyone was more or less partying. And like, QU is like really well known for <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Starting, so uh yeah <laughs> i i got two questions as a follow-up to that so sure. essentially you kind of found out at qu like first you weren't connecting with people just because the culture was different and i definitely know exactly what kind of culture you're talking about but can you give people a little bit of an insight as to like what you were feeling or what kind of like the atmosphere was like it's not anything bad about quinnipiac it's just like a trait of the school i would say <clears throat> Um, yeah. Uh, for me, I think it was a lack of um, understanding of like social context. Uh, so mainly it was like how you're supposed to interact with people, which was jarring for me because things felt a bit like uh, uh, fake, not real. Uh, maybe. Oh, yeah. There's like a motive behind your interaction. An yeah, agenda. Like people are trying to network, or maybe people are trying to have a certain experience, get a specific yeah, yeah. outcome. There's like no sense of like real, how do I say, community that like I was used to in, in uh, MMS, which was like yeah, yeah, yeah. like a level of trust and like you can reliably uh, assume that someone's speaking genuinely about like an opinion that they're giving. Um, yeah, but that yeah, wasn't yeah. like really available. It was like, oh, we're like out in the open sea and like everyone's for themselves kind of vibe. Mm -hmm. um, mostly because we didn't have any shared experiences to uh, bond mm -hmm. us uh, yeah, being yeah, freshmen. Exactly. So, I mean, I assume that like those things do develop as you progress through college, but that wasn't necessarily the case for me. Um, and I don't think I had the foresight to realize that. Um, I just kind of assumed that uh, there'll be a connection by the mere fact of being in the same dorm room. Um, but yeah, so I think that was very jarring for me. And then I think the modes of like connections that people were trying to, um, build relationships upon were partying and like not related to school at all. So mm -hmm. it really felt disconnected from like a feeling of meaningfulness in like uh, everything that uh, one, someone is doing. So uh, that, that's what the vibe that I was getting. I don't know if that and really translates to no, understand. That's, that, that, no, that, that's a great answer. And I think that earlier you said it's not, you don't consider that necessarily a big reason, but I would consider that a big reason. And, you know, a lot of people, uh, I'll give you guys a brief context of like what our life was like at the boarding school is like, we kind of didn't have like technology. It's going to sound crazy. Like I didn't have my first phone until I, I pretty much had graduated. So we literally just, all we did was if you were outside, we just sat on picnic benches and like talked to each other. It was literally, it was essentially like how we became family just because you know so much about the person and they know so much about you and your lives are so intertwined daily from the time you wake up till the time you go to bed um it's it's so different leaving that going to college where now you know everybody in your school you go from knowing everybody in your school from 12th grade all the way to pre-k like you know pre-k students where have you ever you don't know pre-k student unless they're a family friend nowadays right 
But like at Quinnipiac, there's a you know thousands of people just in your class, let alone the whole school, right? And so I can see what Yadidia was saying. Like there's a lot, there is no sense of community. There is no, you know, idea of shared experience, fellowship. Um, so no, I definitely understand what you're meaning, and I would say that's a big reason. And <clears throat> you know, luckily for me, when I had come. I guess the thing that had made my experience a little bit more different was I had people, upperclassmen, a lot of upperclassmen that were here. I still had, you know, there were still like people two or three grades above me and then a grade above me and then two grades above me that I could always rely on when I was, you know, when I was a freshman. But when you're a freshman, there was barely any of us. It was scarce, you know? And so I, I completely understand what you're saying. So I could see why that would make you want to leave QU. So after leaving that, um, what were you, what, what did you look to do? Were people looking down at you for, I guess, quote unquote, dropping out or leaving? Um, what, what were your thoughts, you know, kind of going forward? Um, I didn't really have much care for other people's thoughts. I more or less mm -hmm. just, uh, well, what you basically described what we're talking about led me to like a felt sense of isolation and um like i began thinking about like if i really wanted to you know live life meaningfully like what would that look like and so i thought of like people that like went against the grain or whatever and like i know societally we hear these stories with like the understanding that there's going to be an end to this person like uh, going against the cultural grain or whatever and it there's an outcome that's positive for everyone and like expresses the human capacity to you know live life meaningfully but i think those stories um really are disconnected from like the small decisions that we make and so um, i was really focused on those things because i felt that i couldn't you know make these like huge decisions about like my life without having a sense of trust in myself so um this disconnect made me like feel not able to trust someone telling me that hey if you do this and this and this and this then your life will be meaningful um so in that sense i um you kind of wanted to explore it for yourself yeah pretty much and so um i did get like negative feedback uh, my family was like oh you're like did really bad in school um uh we don't think that like we're gonna be good in college anymore and so like their expectations was pretty low but they were still a bit um, demeaning about um, just surviving making wages and so on so um, i did have mm -hmm. to like get a job and do all those things but otherwise this exploration of self-knowledge or truth or whatever you want to call it mm -hmm. uh, was pretty much done alone uh, and i kind of walled myself off from pretty much everyone i interact sometimes on social media but mostly it was just uh uh like isolated reading and uh, <laughs> well uh, i had various experiences that um helped me understand myself better okay so <clears throat> two questions i said two questions last time and i lied i only gave you one because i got i forgot about it and then it came back to me so i'm not lying uh, i got the first one back but the second question i had for you was after you left i know you did like we going back to the jokes lms jokes days they used to call you tree trunks because you got massive legs you didn't was a big dude guys let's not get this wrong you did i'll tell you five eleven six foot six foot Six foot, 750 pounds. I'm just joking. <laughs> Not 750. No, but he was a big dude. And then, like, you got really, really thin. Like, I think, like, even at six foot, you probably weigh less than me at this point. So, like, is there – and I know I've gone through the journey, like, my senior year of kind of, like, losing a bunch of weight and kind of changing as a person. Um, did you kind of go through that? Because I saw that after you left QU and not when you went, were at QU, too. For me, it was – uh, falling into like stoic philosophy and uh mm -hmm. amor pati and like basically it was like i want to look good at my funeral uh 
<laughs> I want to look good at me, you know. <laughs> I've never had that thought until now. <laughs> but I will be thinking about that before I go to sleep every single night now. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, it's like I, my pain is to die, so like might as well make it perfect. <laughs> might as well, yeah, you might as well go out with a bang, you know. <laughs> yeah. So uh, uh, I think that was like really motivating for me uh previously i like did not care about looks or impressing women uh, like good game or whatever i mean I, I love making jokes but uh it was not something that uh, a lot of people were receptive to uh, so <laughs> i i can, can i interject there for a second because i know sure. exactly what you're talking about you know we joke like rough at mms and like qu yeah. You know, you you step on a lot of toes when you're like, because you were saying like you're funny. It's almost like humor was a you know a trait of survival there. If you weren't funny, you didn't get that snapback. It was hard for you to relate. So like even I could see how that even tied into earlier what you were saying. <clears throat> yeah, definitely. I, I think some people like had a, a level of like seriousness that like they can't yeah. pass, and so yeah. like that was really gave me the like warning sign that like. Um, some people are not like as open or like maybe it's insecurity or like maybe it's just like like a fear sensing that like people naturally mm -hmm. have that we mm -hmm. may have like built community to through like jokes yeah, um, yeah. so it's understandable but yeah i get what you're saying uh so going back to the bodybuilding thing we're like bodybuilding all right, <laughs> right. <laughs> hey, uh, we bodybuilding you now we bodybuilding now <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, uh, a lot of influencers um, actually like, um, you know, it's, they use philosophy to like motivate people yeah. to uh, lift weights. And uh, I really resonated with the like, um, you know, like Socrates saying, you gotta, it's a missed opportunity or uh, it's like you haven't lived your life if you haven't mastered your physical self and like, that really felt like that's like the first step that I can take to uh, knowing myself okay. better. Wow. And like setting myself up to move forward to truth. And like that resonated very deeply with me. That's, um, and like that's such a good of, point, like, bro. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like the vibe of like being a part of this, uh, being one of part of the, part of one of the greats, uh, at least at like a physical level, I mm -hmm. felt was. Very impactful for me and i think a bunch of people as well just looking through like the comment sections like people would reply with genuine genuine comments about like what they were experiencing like lifting weights getting healthy it wasn't just like i mean i, I don't want to like hate on female influencers but like wow you look so beautiful it wasn't just like empty vapid comments or like uh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what i'm saying like yeah yeah so, no, i get exactly what you say <laughs> so that like really um made me feel okay with lifting weights just for myself and not feeling insecure that like people are thinking I'm doing this to like um, impress them look or whatever. Look good on something. Yeah, look good on yeah. something. You're doing it for yeah. yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Which sounds... I had a... <laughs> no, sure. I think, no, I had a question because you brought up a good point and I think, and I'll say this to a little context of what I wanted to do with the Diddy on top of the fact that I didn't know this guy was like, Really, really smart. So I was like, "Yo, we got to get him in here. We got to get, we got to get four thousand IQ in here." Um, but one of the things that I always responded to was, "Yadidia says he he has minimal social contact." So I felt very special every time I post a podcast, and he would have something to say about it or tell me to read something, and I go read it. My mind would be blown. And it seems like philosophy has been like a big influencing factor or podcasts. How did you like get into that or? Like, what's the biggest thing you've learned through, through philosophy? Kind of just, I don't know, I've just been interested in that as well. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I can explain to you, like, how I started into started with it, and I kind of previously mentioned it uh, just now, but it was mostly about self-knowledge and mm -hmm. uh, uh, stoicism was like the natural answer for me it felt very neutral pragmatic and practical um, i feel like but before you talk about anything i feel like it's always good to define it 
not just for the audience, but even for myself if I get lost. <laughs> sure. Uh, stoicism is basically just uh, understanding what is in your control and what is not in your control, and then living your life um, by asking whether if something is in your control or not in your control, and then um, accepting the reality of um, the truth of the matter, and then uh, deciding uh, to live uh, willingly towards positive ends. Um, these are like the values of courage, um, uh, beauty. I can remember all four principles. Um, so those are some uh, of the core principles you said? <clears throat> uh, wisdom, justice, moderation. Yeah. And, oh, moderation uh, is a big one here in the U.S. too. We need to learn that. Yeah, so it's uh, basically asking if it's something that's in your control or not, and then applying wisdom, justice, courage, moderation uh, to whatever context something is in. And uh, that's basically stoicism. So it's what's used like a lot in military uh, systems. Uh, uh, it, it's like the, it's the background uh, basis for a lot of cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, so if you go to therapy, you get a lot of those principles and ideas to uh, guide you through therapy. Um, so that's basically what stoicism is uh, without getting too much into detail. But uh, I think uh, the most uh, impactful thing for me was like uh, experiences of like uncertainty where like I could, I didn't know if it was in my control or if it wasn't in my control and like looking far into the future um, like get this kind of meta-awareness that like kind of just have to make guesses going towards something um, mm -hmm. and like these ab more abstract things kind of uh, were more difficult to apply stoic philosophy to it. Maybe I don't understand stoicism well enough but um, I, I lean towards um, spiritual aspect of, I don't know if you call it spirituality, philosophy, but uh, spiritual aspect of seeing life. And so uh, that naturally lend, lended itself to um, experiences like psychedelics, meditation. Uh, there's a lot of breathing work, um, just like communal activities. I mean, you can go to, to a concert and like experience some of these different altered states of mind. And um, Okay, okay. So, like, like, the felt sense of meaning of doing something um, is, like, different than, like, the knowledge of, like, knowing, like, hey, it's a good thing to do this, it's a bad thing to do this, and, like, trying to reason your way towards making decisions. Mm -hmm. um, it's all that, um, and I felt um, having those experiences uh, really ingrained or imp uh, helped me embody um, the understanding of a lot of moral philosophy and values so um, that that's been my main motivation um, I think I, I can confidently say uh, Tim Ferriss um, is probably one of the most influential podcasters uh, yeah and I listened to and I was gonna say I listened to two of the stuff that you sent me by him he is if anybody's interested definitely please give us some of the ones that you listen to and give us a so as you were going to go into, but even the one that I listened to that you told me to listen to about with Esther Perel, the relationship expert, um, I think you guys should definitely go check it out. So, uh, but continue what you're saying. I just wanted to let them know that, yes, yeah, I've listened to it myself and it's really good. Yeah. Um, I don't remember which podcast um, it was that Tim Ferriss um, talked about his, his, uh, experiences with uh, suicidal thoughts and depression and how he uh, uh, didn't end up uh, killing himself. Uh, I think he ordered a book on like how to kill yourself and the address like auto-filled to his mother's house and like the book was sent there and then his mother like started talking to him and like I think that like by coincidence he just uh, ended up talking about it and uh, I think this kind of speaks to like this sense of connection that we like as humans need in order for things to uh, 
beef belts like um, important and meaningful for us. I mean, if, if I'm sure there's been many people that have brought up to their parents, hey, I'm having suicidal thoughts or I'm depressed or I'm sad or whatever. And like the parent or the friend or the person that is hearing this is like, yeah, 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 just uh, sleep off of it or like eat something or and they'd be very dismissive. Um, and I'm sure like he didn't feel very um, trusting of her, I mean, I guess, because you didn't, you know, it wasn't something that he thought of to bring up with his mother, but um, that really like spoke to me. Um, and then he continued on to speak about how he had um, certain silent retreats and uh, psychedelic experiences that really helped him to uh, emotionally process like difficult thoughts and uh, experiences that he's had. Um, and that led me to try psychedelics as well. And I think that was probably point of uh, no return for uh, really uh, living life the way that I wanted to and I felt was meaningful uh, and now I think you mentioned Esther Pearl the difficult part was like communicating like, what that actually means I mean you can tell someone hey you're not going to be sure about what you're going to do but you have to decide anyway like you can't teach self-trust um, so I, I really want to emphasize like experiencing things and trying new things out um, it doesn't have to be like these extreme things like psychedelics or uh, silent retreats for seven days it can be like small things um, you know, like making new friends I, I think rick or not rick uh, tim ferris talks about uh various things that you can try or like uh, there's various challenges like 100 day challenge of getting rejected where you just ask a, a person on a date or like you ask for a discount on something just knowingly, no, knowing that you're going to get rejected, um, really helps to build like uh, solidity and trusting yourself, and uh, knowing that like you have the capacity to handle um, rejection. Rejection, right? I don't know if I answered I was, your question. <laughs> no, I think you, I think you answered it really well. I just I was just gonna say a couple of those things. Um, uh, I wanted to touch back on, but uh, I, I definitely recommend even the rejection challenge, you know, and this is not something I actively involved or had intentionally thought to bring into my life. But if people know that uh, I work in the pharma business. And so you hear no a lot from doctors. And so whether it's to set up, you know, have a meeting with them, have low lunch or whether it's to talk about a medication or talk about anything, uh, I hear the I heard the word no a lot, and in the beginning it was jarring, right? But after time, you get used to this idea of of understanding that first, like it's okay to hear the answer no, um, and it doesn't mean it doesn't poorly reflect on you as a person. You just it, sometimes it's circumstance, it's what the person's doing. Maybe they don't have time, right? You have to. Not every rejection has to be taken so personally. And I think just like you were saying, it's just a, a way of trying something new. And I think that people are really scared to try something outside of their comfort zone. And like I've tried to make it a point in my life even to try to just whether it's try to just be more open to things. And I think I kind of went through that same change that you did like after college, because like growing up, you know, we had a strict standard by which we lived by. And so like anything outside of that, I wasn't open to. And then it was after I had a conversation with a friend, he just pretty much asked me one day, he's like, dude, why are you so closed off to everything? I just kind of like had to reevaluate. Do I try new things? Why don't I try new things? Do they conflict with my belief system? Um, have they been something I've always thought was wrong? And one of the things I wanted to tie back to is like people have this idea even of psychedelics and what they should or shouldn't do. Uh, for your experience, you said it was very helpful. It's not something I guess you said you would recommend to everybody. But in your experience, can you just like tell us? You don't even have to tell us because I've heard stories about ayahuasca and Joe Rogan and stuff and how they felt. But like even on um, what is that? It's uh, it's something. It's like some kind of drug pie. Picote or something like that. Um, but I know uh, people have tried LSD too, but people have told me 
different kind of experiences they've had. Uh, so I'm just kind of interested to hear what was yours and just, uh, you know, just a, you know, not a recommendation, just from, just for your, from your perspective, what it was like. Um, sure. Um, had, uh, a few experiences with it. So, um, and each time they were like at various doses and, um, to a large degree, um, almost, uh, well, I, to a very large degree, um, the dose, the dosage really um, determines like what the experience is like, and so they're basically like different. It's like trying different psychedelics if you like change the dosage. Um, so. Um, uh, the lower doses, I felt more open and creative. Um, uh, felt connected with people. Uh, it's very akin to like a deep meditative state if you've had that. Uh, but it's very cathartic. Um, I was laughing a lot, crying a lot, and uh, that felt very nice. Um, uh, but as you increase the dosage, you like um, uh, encounter more existential questions and they become more uh, important to deal with, um, especially if you've had maybe past traumas or like undealt with experiences, uh, things that you've like been putting off or maybe you have, uh, I don't know, some kind of fear uh, about doing something in the future. Um, but everything really uh, goes out into the open and uh, there's no like hiding from anything. And I think that like, it's really scary for a lot of people. Um, it was very scary for me. Um, I, uh, uh, you know, the, the test of uh, how much I trust in myself uh, was really uh, tested. I mean, I talked about lifting weights and um, building a sense of integrity, but um, I think like, even, like those idealic, idealistic ideas uh, kind of went away. And I had, I was like forced to be like in the very present moment and like consider uh, the integrity of everything else uh, in the world and like how that related to me. Um, and that can be very extreme and overwhelming. Uh, 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 but you know, I, 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 it's really hard to speak about without uh, getting into the specifics about my life and myself. Um, but generally it was just very, um, challenging um, which mm-hmm. uh, forced me to consider like religious ideas and like is there a god what does god even mean and then uh that led me to think about like eastern philosophy or eastern ideas um and i had like about a third dose it was like even higher than that and that was probably when things got very bad because uh, i had a lot of preconceived notions about how things or how reality works and at a large enough dose um, I mean it, it occurs in other doses as well but um, uh, you're very susceptible to change when you're on psychedelics so um, how you formulate or concretize these like new insights and ideas um, is really really important and I made the great mistake of not having a sitter uh, which uh, more or less uh, didn't allow for like proper integration of like these very extreme uh, uh, experiences, and so I had a very difficult problem with language. And uh, you can imagine how not being able to think in language uh, more or less kills your uh, capacity to do anything. Communicate, so, even yeah. <laughs> so you're I, saying like you couldn't you couldn't talk or you just forgot how to talk or like you forgot language or you forgot English? uh, It was all there, but I didn't have, well, so I was diagnosed with schizophrenia. It like very resemblance. There's a resemblance was very much there. Um, There was problems with like semantic uh, uh, delineation or uh, discernment, like how semantics work in language. Like that thing was pretty much gone. And that's largely due to like my cortex not functioning properly, my prefrontal 
Cortex uh, and like the uh, default mode network. Um, and so uh, that didn't allow for me to just automatically respond to use language. I'd have to like individual words, put them all together and like hold the memory of like everything that's being said and then like what my response would be. Um, and that was just extremely difficult. I mean, if you're like aware of every single letter like that you're reading in a book and you have to like consciously put the words together and understand why it's like that, it, you know, like it, it just becomes overwhelming. And so that was it for me. Yeah. And uh, I uh, couldn't think clearly pretty much. Um, make weird connections that uh, made sense at a certain level of perception, but were more or less useless or unable to communicate with other people and by the limits of language and logic were not something that can communicate with other people. So words came out as nonsense. And um, I really like got down to a state of like, like animistic living. And uh, <laughs> the, um, it's funny how things kind of repeat themselves. I had to like go back and like learn how to be uh, physically uh, intuitive and like in tune with myself and so I had to like understand like what how my instinctual nature worked like it was like building this foundation of like associative coherency that then by a miracle allowed for everything else to fall into place um, I I'm no longer have any schizophrenic symptoms or like or diagnosis or anything like that um, and that's very I mean that that, that just doesn't really happen very often um but so you kind of think like at that third dose it could lead to something like that it could uh, so it, it's really all about like setting and intention and then like understanding what you're trying to do what the goal is um and if you really need like someone there to be with you um uh, to like guide you and like make sure that like if you have questions that get responses remind you hey, you took psychedelics, remember? And, like, this is what's happening. And so, like, someone just to ground you, um, that's really, like, the only job of a sitter. But, uh, you know, taking psychedelics in a city, like, no one's really going to understand your random babbling because you're in a completely altered state. Like, exactly. nothing yeah, in, yeah. I learned makes sense. So, like, you can't communicate at all. Uh, and that can be very traumatic for people. Uh, it was for me, but uh, I took... Two, two years, two and a half years to like uh, to completely get rid of, and now I feel I can move forward. And I think like this like rebuilding stage kind of is what led me to like come here to Ethiopia and like reconnect with my family. Like I really felt like a deep sense of connection to like you know the Amharic language that I had because it's like a really deep part of my memory, and I yeah. I, I felt this need to like understand what it was, what it means, and. Um, I, I just couldn't ignore it because it's, it's just like a deep part of me. Um, so it's probably like one of the main motivations for me. Um, and then also like this felt connection that I like had. Um, and I'm sure like you've heard of people speaking of psychedelic experiences that they feel connected and one with everything. And so um, I didn't really want to lose that um, because this, uh, I mean, people even outside of psychedelic experiences uh, speak of things that are beyond oneself or what really give life meaning and uh, it's even true in these like completely altered states and so um, it really felt like a core belief or a core understanding that um, I could take away um, and like apply in my life and build upon so that's been like the main motivation for me to come to Ethiopia uh, so that's my general uh, spiel about psychedelic experiences. Wow, that's I think that's going to be very informative for people to hear about and just to learn from. Just just so they, because I think it's it's such a blessing and or you know whatever you want to call it that you were able to like essentially come back completely. You know, it took a little bit of a while, but you know it just speaks to that kind of. Uh, the things that you value most, even you're saying like resilience, courage, because that's scary. I can't even imagine like 
for myself if i was i would be able to do anything like that you know or just survive you know at that point when you're feeling like that yeah um it, it was literally like life and death for me for a few months um uh, maybe like half a year um, i had like weeks on end without sleep um that was probably uh i don't know um, difficult to uh express you know um and i think like people that are like experiencing things that like they feel that they can't really articulate clearly enough to um I don't know, uh, articulate clearly enough to convey to others that like, hey, something is wrong. And like, what is even wrong? I can't even express because of the nature of like my schedule that I have to go to work, do this, do that, do that. So like by the time at the end of the day, I'm at it's nighttime. And then like all these thoughts of like, uh, what am I doing with my life come into question. Um, and so I don't want to take away from like these day-to-day life experiences by like you know saying i had this crazy experience with psychedelics and so i think it really um shows that like small experiences all the way up to like extreme experiences are very uh, much similar and um are not something that like you should not deal with like you should self-reflect and ask questions and you should talk to people you should connect and you should like build community and uh, explore for yourself like what is true and what like you really do believe is meaningful for your life um, because otherwise I don't I don't really see like um, how how you could convince yourself that you're living the way that you do um, if you don't question or at least respond or interrogate or um, be conscious of what you're doing. I know you're visiting family and what have you learned there while being there, even about language or that deep part that you were talking about and just, uh, yeah. Give us a little bit about Ethiopia, what you want to tell us about what you've learned and yeah. Oh man, it's, it's been very funny and weird experience. I mean, like we've, I remember making like a lot of jokes, like with, with the Amharic language, we'd use it like a secret code back in our, uh, Days at school, and it's funny. Mata, like, mata, mata, mata. <laughs> that means coming every yeah, yeah, time yeah. a teacher used to come. We just mata, 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 mata. but uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, people they have like their own my family members here and like my cousins, um, that I uh talk to, they have like their own secret code, and like the relatability is like there. Um, but uh, it's been a funny experience to try to translate some of these cultural perspectives that like we have in the US and then like what they have of like what the US is like and like uh, there's like a lot of confusion and um, I had to like clarify well yes Americans are like this sometimes or maybe that's just a movie trope that you're thinking is true but uh, uh, the language the language barrier was uh, very difficult for like more serious conversations where like I couldn't really just speak about things that are like a simple level without like losing so much information that like it doesn't make any sense um so i had to have people translate for me but um i think the um like building relationship of, of like living day-to-day life with your family members is probably like the thing that you can't get with like a phone call um i mean i certainly didn't even with my family members in america and um, I, I had to like live with them to like understand like who they were as a person. And I think that like it's probably true for most people that were um, at Mount Mission or at our school. Um, and kind of translates to like the lack of connection that people um, feel like in the university. Um, but I really um, had a difficult time for like the first three months until like I got a good handle of the language. Um, then it was pretty, I don't know, pretty fun for a while. So you're actively trying to learn how to speak Amharic right now, or how's that going? Uh, it's, I mean, I don't have an instructor or anything, but, um, just like having conversations a lot with, uh, people, 
because I have cousins that are like in college and older than I am even. So uh, they've been teaching me a lot. Uh, but I mean, they have their own lives, they have jobs. And so I don't always get a chance to talk to them. But it's been very challenging. It's like the, the structure is very different. There's a lot of uh, ways to conjugate words. I don't know, like 27 maybe or like for like one word. So it's um, a lot different than like what I thought it was um, from when I was in America. But Much harder than English. Yeah. <laughs> um, not very specific language though. So it's yeah. hard to like get um, clear on what you're trying to say. But like it's something that you can it's a very intuitive language it's like when you're like talking with someone in Amharic it's like you're in flow state like it feels like all the time like just like saying stuff and like like you get it like the other person get it and like you don't have to like say like exactly what you're talking about but then you just continue the conversation and it's like pretty fun so so it seems like I'm gonna check check back in in about a couple months, and I expect you to be Rosetta Stone level five, okay? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just joking, but uh, essentially, you're staying there. Are you staying there much longer? Do you have plans to come back? And uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I have plans to get back to the US. Um, uh, I didn't plan on staying here um, too long, um, maybe another five, six months. Uh, uh, God willing, if I don't get trapped from like I don't know some kind of COVID law or whatever. Uh, oh, true, but, true. So depending on like that or uh, some other uh, factors, uh, but yeah, I do plan on getting back to the U.S. <laughs> so I visited Ethiopia in like tenth grade, and like I think I experienced the same thing that you did. Like it was such a sense of community. And like it seemed like people really cared about you as a person, what you were doing, um, and obviously it's family, but you know I just think like I feel like that's really missing here too, like you were saying, and that's one of the great I guess life questions when you ask yourself like, what am I gonna miss in this life? It's not really gonna be about the money. It's always people always talk about. It's always gonna be you know, the relationships that you could have built with someone or if you've cared more, if you spent more time. Um, So I think, yeah, coming back to the U.S., I was like mad. I was like, dang, back to the good old U.S. of A's. Uh, I miss Ethiopia. I hope I get to get back soon and (laughs) there's no COVID laws. But um, yeah, like I had the same feeling about, I had the same feelings about Ethiopia. Yeah, definitely very unique-oriented. Uh, a huge collective and like like one of the things that like I thought was like I thought I understood well was like this uh, like you know how everything is like so- socially dependent on like your age like yeah, yeah. like I mean we have that in the US but like it's nothing like how it is in Ethiopia and it's like very strict and like um, people like uh, consider shame like very um, something to like avoid like almost at all costs so for me to like respond in some specific way to like some answers of like oh why did you do that oh because i felt like it was like not something acceptable <laughs> or like if you say yeah, no yeah. to like someone yeah. that can't do it, it's, like, but it's no, really that. frowned upon it's frowned upon yeah <laughs> so it was uh yeah it was like a weird uh, like adapting experience for me and then like, for my family as well um That one was probably like the hugest uh, cultural shock um, of like this hierarchy thing, uh, which is like I res- I, uh, I think is like important for like being uh, like family together, like society mm-hmm. together. But like, yeah, yeah. Uh, I know there's like a lot of problems in Ethiopia with like wars going on. Uh, I think that like happens at like a tribalistic level, but like I think within the tribe themselves, like this social structures, like I think what keeps these tribes like alive for such a long time in history, you know, like they have a sense of beauty and connection mm-hmm. to like their group. So uh, I think it's a testament to like how long uh, tribes have lasted. Um, yeah. Um, I think that's, yeah, one of the big differences. Like 
it's really like for to give people context like you really respect your elders in ethiopia like you kiss you kiss your grandmother's knees when you go to their house and stuff or when they come to your house so uh, you know, culture enriching experience for yourself. Uh, I feel like, you know, we talked about pretty much everything at this point. Any, any final thoughts or any, you know, advice you give people, maybe even philosophical advice or life, life advice in general, after going through everything that you've gone through um, as we wrap up? Um, I would say probably the most crucial thing, uh, probably the most pertinent thing I've ever uh, would be to develop a sense of agency for yourself and uh, think like where that's most visibly uh, applicable is like with politics and the news. Um, mm-hmm. It's like obvious that like a specific message or like a perspective is being preached whether you're on one side or the other. Um, so, you know, I really want to like emphasize that like individualism is really at like the core of how you build trust across um, different groups of people and like with yourself as well um, and I think mm-hmm. that's like something that like uh, people at least in the western world have to focus on um, so I, I don't know trust yourself um, mm-hmm. but not at the cost of um, tradition uh, yeah that's that's what i'd like to say i also think too like you have to trust you in the sense that sometimes people are going to shoot you down and it's like kind of going back to what we talked about about the rejection thing whether you know whether people think it's right for you or not right for you i feel like it's just taking kind of a hold of your life and living it how you want to live it obviously i feel like in a responsible fashion to your own benefit also but you know don't let things hold you back from doing what you want to do. If you're passionate about something, pursue it. Um, and, you know, uh, the thing is, like, it's not permanent. That, that That's what I always say to myself. Like, if you're trying something new and you don't like it, just drop it right there and there. If it's not for you, it's, you don't, it's not something like baggage you have to carry for the rest of your life. At least you can say that I've done this, right? And so I think that's great advice, Yadidia. And, you know, just thank you for coming on the Broke Billionaires uh, podcast. And thank you just for all the words of wisdom and even giving people, uh, you know, not hope, but like letting them know that even if your life doesn't go a certain path, it it's, it can be fulfilled just as much, if not more, by div- going on the detour. Yeah, well, thank you for having me on. Uh, I enjoyed this conversation. I <laughs> thank you. It. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully you remember that it's not the greatest you've ever had, but hopefully I asked you enough questions that you get tired enough not to remember again. Thank you for joining us in another episode of Broke Billionaires. Uh, I just want to thank our host, Yadidia, for coming on and sharing all those insights. Uh, and Creechon is with us in spirit once again. Uh, but thank you for all the support and everything. We love y'all. Um, we'll definitely catch you on a new episode pretty soon. So watch out for it. But besides that, 